Hey Warriors and welcome back to another episode of Warrior Within. Um, I'm actually kind of excited about speaking about what we're going to talk about today. But first I want to let you guys know that we are in the process of buying a home. However, we had to expand our optional time a bit because the owners need to do a few things. Um, we got until the this Friday. Uh, so if you could pray for all the little things that kind of have to be done, but we will not be closing until probably June 30th. And so unfortunately we will have to do one month with uh, the lease here at the apartment place, which is also an extra $300, which we didn't really want to have to do it, but to make sure we are not trying to move and do everything all in one shot within a couple of days. And the fact that it's actually be past our lease time, we have to trust God that he has a plan and he, you know, he will deal with all the little things that need to be dealt with. And it is a leap of faith. Uh, that being said, today's discussion is kind of with that kind of a concept, but it's more of a, a shake up to all of us guys to step it up. Um, I want to kind of title it un unworthy and passive, but it may be something different. It's only because as I was putting this all together, God kind of took it a little bit to a different direction, but... I will say this, there is a huge concern that I see in today's church, and, and it's been up for probably a f couple decades, and I've noticed that when I see more men talk about, oh, you know, blah, 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 I started wondering why do we see this happening a little bit more? So the thing is that I've kind of noticed, you know, throughout the years, I've been seeing more women stepping up into leadership type roles with the church. And I'm not talking about necessarily pastor. I'm talking about leading the church. Maybe start thinking about the fact that even in the gaming community, I see women more willing to lead in the gaming community. I see it more often like in youth groups. I see more often in Bible study situations, women's ministry. I mean, it made me think about going back because it was like an article I shared probably like a few months ago where, and I think it might've been in the Discord group, but we were talking, well, it wasn't like we were talking. I was hoping we'd get to talk more about it, but nobody really talked about it, which hence why there's a problem. But why are churches seem to be geared towards women? And it made me start thinking about it. And all these months later, it kind of like dawned on me even more that there's a lack of something missing from us guys. To me, I would have to say the word that comes to mind is passiveness. Another word that came to mind was hiding. Another thing that came to mind is more like self individualism of men. And I know we've kind of talked a little bit on this here and there at, at different points for different reasons, but men have stayed very quiet over the years. And a lot of it too is also handing the keys only to the pastor to do all the leading or the other paid staff to do all the leading. And so we see more 
more and more where there's men just kind of there but not there they bring their family to church they sit down they hear the preaching they nod their head they agree pay their tithe and go home and due to that we see a higher influence by women where more women are doing more being part of more things <clears throat> more involved in teaching more involved in the events and activities more involved in different aspects where they're leading events activities and Sunday school classes we see men they may come and help do something but they're not they're like in the shadows they're in the background why is that? Why are we seeing this more often as time is gone? So, <clears throat> I hear a lot where Christian men will point out that, you know, hey, a woman should be a pastor, they shouldn't be teaching a congregation, but here, here's something that's been coming across my mind. I will ask you, how are you leading in your church? Are you trying to learn how to teach, maybe even preach? How to lead your family, how to be a better man of God, how to be a better uh, worker at work, or a manager at work, a leader at work. How about your community? How, how involved are you in? Are you going to the council meetings? Are you going to the school boards? Are you speaking uh, to, about community events and activities that you disagree with or agree with? Are you helping your neighbor? Are you being impactive to your neighbor in some sense? You know, are you speaking with them? Because, you know, one of the trends in, in today's culture, or at least in the past couple of decades, individualism is a big deal where men just come home and just kind of go inside. I say it because I have a tendency of being that way too, and I have to be careful. But here's the thing. Are you meeting with men in prayer? And I'm not talking about the once in the month men's prayer meeting or the men's breakfast or that once a month that maybe we do some type of event. I'm talking about are you regularly meeting with men in prayer? How about studying together? Growing in the faith together, keeping each other accountable, checking on each other. You see, it's been so long, most of my life, that I can remember it was, the men's ministry was men's breakfast, and that was it. I, I didn't see men coming over to my house, you know, just hanging out with my dad. And maybe some of you guys have had that, which is good. But I've never seen men just say, hey, let's just get together and do something together. It's always it's either serious stuff like we'll go do a men's breakfast or, you know, we may go do like you know what is it called wrapping the presents for christmas stuff it's always like little things and then the rest of the time there's there's nothing more you know i mention this because you know we use first corinthians 16 13 through 14 and this seems to be a theme that god really wants you guys to get in your head you know we talk about several things in there you know be watchful stand firm in the faith act like men be strong let all that you do be done in love, right? And the key thing about being warriors or men of God, what is what is interesting about that in that section is the be strong part. 
There's a connection between strong and courageous of the Old Testament and this verse, because the idea is if you're not strong and courageous, you're being passive. You're hiding. You're in fear. And I say all this because the question that's coming to mind, has God been calling you to do something? Has God been asking you to do something? Because if you are the guy that just goes to the men's breakfast and maybe does the event and maybe helps at an event, but you're, you're not involved in your church, you're not involved in your community, you're not involved in your family, you are being passive and you're kind of hiding you're, you're living in fear of some type and yeah you could point at me i'm not scared i'm not scared but here's the thing is if god is calling you to do something more and you're not doing it then why aren't you doing it what's holding you back because fear doesn't have to be like i'm scared fear is i i'm fear of failing i'm fear of i'm not good enough i'm i'm a fear of well i'm not educated quote-unquote educated like a pastor i'm not educated enough to help my community you know be part of the council or be involved in business you know information i don't have business savvy well you know that's the thing i'm not business savvy but there's a difference between business savvy and being knowledgeable and knowing and understanding what's going on in your community and being a voice in there. You know, it's really sad when I hear people I know who have kids in a school and they go to a parent meeting with the board and there's only like less than a handful of parents there out of hundreds of parents. Same with city council situations. Where is everybody? And a lot of times, it's the women who are there, not the men. Where are the men? So I ask again, is God calling you to do something? Would you say that you are passive? Maybe even more of a follower. Maybe you compare yourself to other men that just are more charismatic, and so therefore you're like, oh, they got it, they can handle it, and so you don't do anything. You know, I ask these questions because I used to be that way. There was a point in my life where I looked at myself, and I know I've mentioned this as the beta. I looked at myself as the follower. I didn't see myself as a leader. And a lot of it was because of maybe my bullying, maybe because of how I was treated and, and belittled so much that in my mind growing up, I felt like I wasn't worthy enough to lead anybody. Because I, I know I look at myself, I, I'm not thin, I'm not a tall, skinny guy, I'm not built like a, like a Viking, I am a shorter guy, I have a lot of weight, and I struggle with weight loss, and I struggle with uh, my words, I struggle with leading, because I never l did that growing up, even though it was funny, because I played sports, and I played football, and I was a leader on my team, but I was the quiet type. And a lot of that turned into anger 
turn into frustration, turn into not being able to understand that I can say and do what I need to do by expressing it out. And instead I held it in. And I used it in sports where I allowed that my anger to lead my sports. Got better when I got into high school. But anger was still there. So, you know, it made me start thinking about the story of Deborah and Barack. Or Barack. I think it's Barack. And many times, you know, we, we think of Deborah. We think of, you know, she's a judge. We know who she is. We, you know, we, we probably could say most of the story out loud. Right? But we, <laughs> what we don't realize, and I bet you most of us probably don't know, but she was married. She's the wife of a guy named Labadath. But she was called to be a judge over Israel. Right? Um, she sat underneath the palm of Deborah between Rama and Bethel in the hill country, country of Ephraim. And it finally came to the point where Israel came up to her and asked judgment, basically. Direction. And if we come to this point, we see that, you know, she calls for Barak. Who, based off of verse 8, seems like he's already been commanded or called by God to be doing something. And this is why we're getting into this a little bit, because if you read the words carefully, she doesn't tell him what to do. She re, She's almost like reiterating what God has already commanded him to do. However, there is no scripture that actually is stated that. But if you read the section itself, and then the responses, you know, the response that Barack does, we'll say we'll talk about later. It doesn't sound like someone who is waiting for God to tell him something. It sounds like someone who's afraid to do what God is commanding him. So instead of doing it, basically we go and read in Judges 4. Okay, we get to the point where they ask what she wants. And so she summons Brock and she says, Has not the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you, Go gather your men at Mount Tabor, taking 10,000 from the people of Naphtali and the people of Zebulun. Right? And that God was going to draw out Sisera, which is the general of Jabin's army, to meet you at the river Kishon. And he's going to have his troops, he's going to have his chariots, and if we know anything from back in that time, the chariots, you know, were deadly weapons, equivalent to, like, tanks, so you, you know, ten guys can stand in front of that, but you're probably going to lose half of those guys just from the chariot because they would put like blades in the side there may be an archer on the chariot a guy with a spear or you know a blade and they would just cut them down which is why they were dangerous so even a group of a hundred chariots could probably mow down a good group of men in a battlefield it didn't matter if you had armor shield whatever you know getting hit by a horse that's armored up let alone a chariot with all the gadgets that are on it you're, you're not going to feel good after getting hit so you could probably think to yourself hmm also you know israel wasn't armed with lots of 
armor and weapons and you know a full army should have fear was probably a big factor but those words stuck to my head because has not the lord god commanded you and this is what i'm talking about guys god may be calling you to do something and there's two things you can do right after this podcast and one is if you're seriously wanting to know what god could have like what he has planned what he may be commanding you to do you ask if you're serious you ask but with this serious asking the question is do you trust him do you believe in him do you believe that he whatever he may ask you to do He's got you. And because he's commanding you, you just do it in obedience. This is why this is a hard talk. Because I meet a lot of people who want God to tell them what to do. And so he tells them what to do, and then they keep on questioning it. You know, I get the whole Gideon thing. You know, you want to put out a fleece to make sure. But then I start hearing way too much doubt in your voice. I hear too much doubt in the words you write. I I just, there's too much doubt. So it's either you are scared, you are uncertain, and to the point of uncertainty where you, you the calling is just getting stronger and stronger and stronger and you're still questioning whether it is because that's kind of what Gideon did. You know, God told him and he did the whole fleece thing and God told him, you know, he, he got the answer, but then he's like, well, no, just to make sure, can uh, we'll do it this way. So God answered him that way. And still like Gideon was a little bit hesitant, but he willingly said, okay, I'll do it. I'll just do it. And, you know, we could think of, a good example of Moses. God told Moses, go back, free my people. And he's like, but God, I know I, I can't speak. And God's like, well, if you're going to make an excuse like that, well, here's Aaron. Well, you know, Lord, um, see, the thing is, do we spend too much time questioning God? And why do we do it? Why are we afraid if, if, if God is calling you to do something and it's not something unbiblical, it's not something wrong. Yes, it could be scary because, for example, is God telling you to leave a job that you've been at for 15 years to go be a pastor? Or maybe he wants you to start this business with this other guy. Or maybe he wants you to get another completely different job. Or maybe you've been going to the school this university for decades, or not decades, excuse me, going to the school that you've been excited about going, it's a high level school, and you're like so excited you got accepted, you're on year two, and God's like, I want you to go to Joe Blow's Baptist school here, or go to this small school over here, and you question him, why? Lord, you know, I'm in the best school ever, why would you send me to a college that's like nobody knows about? Because he asked you to. You see, the one thing we do not know is the big picture. The plan. 
We get bits and pieces of it, like a puzzle. God doesn't give you the full picture to see it. He gives you a piece to put in and trust him that it's going to fit and work. That's what living by faith looks like. You can think of the one person, Noah. God told him it was going to rain. Mind you, they've not seen rain as he's described it. It's going to flood this world. Have they seen floods before? He asked him to build this giant boat. Specifically by what he gave in direction of how to make it. And then to take two animals, male and female, of each type of animal and put it in there. And it's going to flood this world for 40 days and 40 nights. You know, today we sit here and go, could God be calling me this? I don't know. I don't know. I'm scared. I don't want to do this. I, uh, you know, this is out of my comfort zone. This doesn't feel right. You know, I just, I can't like, if I quit this job, you know, I'm going to lose my insurance and, my, and what's going to happen to my family. Those are all excuses. Those are all excuses. I want you guys to think about as we go to this uh, this break. It says, this is what I want you to think about. Be honest with yourself. Have you been ignoring the call? Have you been compromising the call? I've done that before. Did you give up because someone told you you needed to do A and B and C? Otherwise, you can't do it. I don't know how many guys I've met who feel like they're called to be in ministry, but because some pastor so-and-so told them they need to go get a seminary and they feel like they're not educated enough to do seminary, let alone they don't have the money for it, so they don't do anything. They sit back. Maybe you know, and yet you allow fear, not courage or strength, to cause you to hide, be passive, and even comfortable where you're at. We're going to take a quick break and I'll be right back right after this. Hey guys, welcome back to the second half of our episode. And we continue the story of Deborah and Brock. Now we go back to Judges 4. We get to the point where we hear what she said, did not God command you? So then after all that, and she says what exactly is going to happen because this is what God has already said. We get to verse eight. Barak said to her, if you will go with me, so this is to Deborah, I will go then. If you don't go, then I will not go. And this, to me, gents, is super important to understand. Why is that a problem? I want you guys to think about that for a moment. Why is that what Barack just said a problem? God had given him a call, a command. And God said, I will go with you. 
He didn't say I'll be sending Deborah to go with you. I will be with you. You see, here's the thing. To fit into what I'm talking about, my wife and I have done a, a several times of obedience to God that did not make sense, that took us away from the comfort of our family and friends to go do something so far three times. We moved to Hartford, Connecticut, got the job. And like I've told you before, I looked up to the sky and said, I don't know why you have him here. I am not a city person. And he said, you will, you will learn. You will know. And I learned a lot. I learned how to minister. I learned more about understanding grace. I learned more about prayer. I learned more about hardness. I learned more about sadness. I learned more about loss. I learned more about struggle. I learned more about a lots of different parts of what is needed to be in ministry, but let alone what it means to be a man, what let alone needs to be a Christian. I learned. I just learned what ministry is not. I also learned what pastors shouldn't be. I learned a lot about brokenness in people and the, the, the hardship of being brought up in discipleship and not actually seeing it in other churches and seeing it in people and the lack of understanding of scripture. They may be churched people, but a lack of understanding of ministry and, and serving and, and, and understanding the scriptures. And then it also going to Maryland, you know, thinking that's where the job was going to be at, but God needed that to heal help someone else heal, to help us heal, to help us see more things that just because you go to a big church doesn't mean they have it all figured out either. And then God called us back to Colorado and we sat. COVID's going on. Nothing was working out. And I sat there. Okay, Lord, you sent us to Hartford. You sent us to Maryland. Now we're here. Now what? Years of, are passing by. I feel, I'm getting older. I'm frustrated. Lord, I don't understand. You know, and yes, you know, people are like, yeah, but just Joseph and David. And like, and I understood all that. But when you're going through it, it's, it's very, very hard. And I don't wish this on anyone else to go through. But I also am going to cry hard if God is telling you to do something. You do it. You do it in obedience. You obey. You hear his calling. You step in faith and you trust because the third time is moving to Texas. And yes, we do have friends that we've met through the gaming world, but it's still a step of faith. Moving out here was a step of faith. The money, step of faith. Everything that has been going on has been a step of faith. And when Barack asked her that question, he was not stepping in faith. He was not saying it in strength and courage. He was fearful. God's calling on us is an act of faith in us.
an act of trust. Understanding that he has a plan for each and every one of us, but we we have to choose to obey and follow and trust. You know, we have Proverbs 3, 5, 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. King James Version. That verse has been a part of my walk. Sometimes I forget. Trusting God everything is an act of faith. It's an act of stepping in faith and walking forward. Not understanding the why, not being able to see it all that's going to happen stepping forward in obedience and trust because he will make those paths straight we will you know sometimes it just seems like there's too many roads and avenues and your brain is just feeling so cluttered that you can't understand why in the world lord are you calling me to preach why are you asking me to to quit this job i've been at for 15 years to go over to another state or another town or this other job Lord, why would I give up what I have to, to take a risk chance of starting this business with my friend? And the answer is because I said so. I commanded you. I've asked of you. And who will go? Because this is the thing. This is why this whole point, this next section right here, because Deborah's response should shake you to the bones. He said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, the road on which you are going will not lead you to glory. For the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. This should scare you guys. If you're being called and you're compromising, you're ignoring it, you're trying to do whatever it is, you're, you're throwing 3,000 fleeces in front of you to try to get an answer, but fear is the number one thing keeping you from doing it, God will give it to someone else. He will give it to someone else. And he will give it to women. Who are willing to be called, but even in the women's side, if God is calling you to do something you're not doing, he will give it to someone else. I'm only using men and guys, or men and women, because men are called to be the leaders in the spiritual family, in the church, in their community. And God will use anybody who's willing to trust and obey, and he will even use unsaved people for his will. If you're not willing to do it, he will find someone who will. If we know the story, the rest of the story, we know that he uses a woman who is a habitant of the area, right? And her name is Jael. And she was used to coax Cicero after the, his army got wiped. He ran and she took him in and he felt safe and she drove a tent peg into his head, killing him. And we know later too, Barak is chasing after him, thinking he can change what was told of him, that he would still be able to 
get Cicera. But he didn't. God gave it to the woman, as Deborah had said it would happen. Sometimes we want to have our mentors and our parents and family members and friends to be there with us. But that's not how God works. That's not how faith works. You know, I'm grateful to have two people that I, you know, that are good friends of mine to be part of my board. And I am grateful for the pastor friend I have that I can connect with and I even get to game with. But the thing is, this this step that my wife are at, you know, this house and starting all this moving out to the town where he has asked us in this small town that... It, it doesn't stand out. It's not a town that's like magical. It's not like it's a big city. It's, it's, it's a small town that God has called us to start this because I don't know, but I want to believe that this town's going to burst, that there's more that's going to happen there and that God's going to plant us there soon as possible before that explosion to prepare for that explosion. And will it turn to a church? I, I would love it to be because I love I love church. I love the idea of what a church is supposed to be. And I love preaching. I love the idea of you know, showing up on a Sunday morning and, and being able to preach to people. It's scary, but at the same time, I enjoy it. But the idea is that God will use other people if we allow fear to control our life and direction. Not only will God give the calling to, to someone else, but he will allow you to chase what you want as you ignore. You know, I kind of use the idea of Brock chasing, trying to still kind of do what, you know, God commanded him. God already took it away from him, but he allows people to do what they're doing. I've met people who, who said they felt like they were called years ago. They aren't doing his calling. They're still working the same job. It's comfortable. They get insurance. They get everything they need because it's comfortable, safe. They made no effort. And you, we can't use the excuse, I'm not worthy. I don't have the education. I'm, I'm not knowledgeable enough. You, you can gain the knowledge. You can learn. You can grow. Remember, God didn't call Gideon because he was a warrior who knew how to sword fight and was a master strategic person. He was a farmer. Remember, he didn't call David to be king because David was this tall, dark, handsome, strong of a man of a king with charisma like no other. Stood out among everybody else. No, he was the short, small, skinny guy that the youngest of brothers who was sent to do a shepherd's work, but yet is because of his heart for God, God used. It was because Gideon's faith and trust that God used. Peter, a fisherman, he didn't get seminary education. You know, Paul and my, my, my mindset has more of a seminary education of sorts. But Peter, 
a fisherman. A guy who got in a boat, threw nuts in the water, got fish. Called to be a disciple. And one of the major disciples who impacted probably the most of the Christian movement in the early church. God's calling is not about your worthiness in the sense of, can you do it? The idea of trusting God is that you knowing that you cannot. Humility is about not being the one who thinks that they could do it all. But rather that you trust God to give you the ability to be able to do what you can. And him bringing the right people into your life to do more right people but he's only asking you do you, are you willing to obey me are you willing to listen are you willing to do we can live in this world of fear passiveness a life hiding the talent that god has given us the abilities that he has given us the the, the abilities that could come from trusting in him. Because here's the thing. Sometimes people think they can't do anything, but that's the cool part about the whole thing. God doesn't call you because he thinks you can do it. He know, he, He's willing to call you because he knows you're willing to obey, trust, and you're willing to learn, you're willing to grow, you're willing to find the capability of being able to do what he is calling you to do. If Brock had said, yes, Deborah. I will do it. I, I now I understand that God has called me to go and call these men to fight because he's going to go down with us and we're going to fight. God would have given the sister unto his hands. You see, there is a scary part about us being passive and being afraid and using that fear to control us is that we can become an apostasy to Christianity. And to understand what apostasy is, it is basically the act of refusing or disobedience to the truth. We deny God the faith. We are easily influenced. Well, I, I don't, I don't, I don't disobey God. I'm not denying him, but you are denying him when he's called you to do something and you're not doing it. You're in an act of disobedience because you're not willing to do. You're refusing to act. And because you become so passive and hidden and in the background, your your lack of growth is being seen because we can see it when we go to Hebrews 5, 11 through 14. It sta states this, about this we have much to say, and it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. I have met people who said, oh, I, I don't remember last time I've read the scriptures because I don't feel like there's anything new I can get from it. That's scary. Very, very scary to hear someone say that. Very, very scary. In verse 12, it says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk again, not solid food. This is in the verse. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. And if you have a better understanding, it's really neat because I just listened to a sermon that's going to be on Facebook tomorrow. No, was it that one? No, it's actually another sermon. So anyway, he made that the guy who was speaking. He made mention, and he's got he's the same speaker speaking in that sermon I'll share tomorrow. 
He said, you know, the saying is that a, a baby snake is deadlier than an adult. And so he pointed out the reasoning of that is because an adult understands the amount of poison to inject into somebody or something or the threat through the level of threat. A baby is immature, doesn't understand. And so it, out of fear, this is my part, out of fear, injects as much as possible. And for us as men, when we're supposed to be the ones that are leading and teaching, leading our family, being leaders in our church, impacting our community, because we're hiding so much, when things get rough or things don't make sense, what do we do? We lash out in anger. That's the immaturity. We lash out in no self-control, where we chase after sins, where we get involved in more pornography, where we start looking at other women instead of our wife. We start chasing after our desires, start wasting money, start buying things that we want to make us feel better for a moment, start doing all this other stuff to fulfill what is being asked of us to do out of fear. And instead of eating solid meat, we're still drinking milk because we have to get retaught because our brains are like, why do I keep sinning? Well, because you aren't growing. Why do I struggle? Because you're not growing. Get involved with men that are walking with the Lord so that you can have that talk. Men, you got to start talking. Other men can't read other men's minds. <laughs> our wives can't read our minds. We got to speak out. And then if there's someone is reaching back to you, reach back again. Say, hey, man, you know, I, I appreciate you praying for me. I don't want to let you know this. Is, you know, I've been doing really well in here, but I've been struggling here. Oh, man, let, let me pray for that. That's how it works. That's how it comes together. That's how brotherhoods are created. That's how men's ministries need to grow. It can't be where, you know, one phrase and then someone says, oh, I'll pray for you. And then that's all it goes because no one's talking more. Talk. Get involved in a prayer group. Get involved in a Bible study of some type. If you need to have that, you know, a little bit more harvesting growth in you. Go to church again. Listen to sermons if you have to daily or throughout the week to help you keep going. Change parts of your life to reflect what God has asked you to do. To live a life godly. But if God's calling you, it's an act of obedience, an act of trust. It's, it's, it's just jumping in. Stop being afraid. It is a very scary thing to step away from things that you've been comfortable with. If God's calling you to go do another job after you've been working at this other job 15, 20 years, don't be afraid. Ask him how to do it all to put it, put it all together for you. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to ask other people for guidance or understanding or counsel. Prayer. Talk to your pastor. Hey, you know, I feel like... I need to step away from this job and go do this other job. I don't know. And pray about it. 
and stop always thinking that if you're feeling something it's 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 a feeling what you know it's it's <laughs> if god is calling you to do something it's not going to be something that you shouldn't be doing so i'm not saying you know go pick another job because that's what you've been wanting to do for all the years is god calling you to do it is god asking you to be a pastor or to be more active understanding how to be in ministry there's a difference being a pastor is a different commitment a different calling to me than someone who feels like they want to they want to learn how to teach they want to learn how to preach and they want to be more involved in the church but they still love what they like to do you know they have another job that god has placed them in for a purpose you don't have to be a pastor to want to preach and teach you just need someone to mentor you and you don't need to go to seminary you just need a pastor who's willing to teach or even a another person who's learned how to see the thing is is all going right back to the one word that we keep talking about discipleship anyway so we go back to verse 14 but solid food is for the mature for those who have their powers of discernment trained by the constant practice and distinguish good from evil because verse 14 states for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child guys i'm asking you today god's asking you to do something step in faith ask him how to do it and if he's telling you, I want you to wait, keep doing the job that you're doing, and I will show you, stop trying to figure it out. I spent four months trying to find a job where he had a different plan for me. And let alone a different location than where I was originally trying to do. See, we don't see the big picture. God has the big picture. What we're supposed to do is trust him with every little piece that he gives us to take that step forward and do what he asks us to do. This is the day, guys. Today could be the day that God can really show you something amazing, all because you're willing to say, Lord, I know you've been telling me to do something and I've been ignoring it. I've been compromising. I've been not truly obeying you. Let me obey. Today, I want to obey. I want to step in faith. I want to trust. Just ask, do it, obey, allow God to do all the work. Doesn't mean you don't do your part, but allow God to do all those parts that you that you just don't see how it's going to happen. But man, he's going to have doors open in ways that you just don't expect, all because you're willing to obey. Now my 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 friend here in Waco, he tried to start a church, but he was doing it in not the way that God had asked him necessarily to do. And when he finally said, "Okay, I'm not going to do it this way. I'm going to do it this this other way," God was like, "Thank you," and boom, things had just been going on. At first, it got a little rough. Because the enemy doesn't want you to do what God wants. I can tell you this. The biggest warning I'm going to give you today when you make this choice, the enemy is not going to be happy. And there may be things that might pop up that are just going to scare you or make you go, oh, this is just too hard. This is too rough. I can't do this. But man, 
trust God through it and watch him do amazing things. Get in prayer, fast maybe, study, keep growing in your faith, spending time in God's word, listening to God's word, reading books that are biblically sound, getting in more involved in your church, you know, finding other men to maybe start a small group with, you will see God do amazing things. Why? Because it's an act of obedience. Because you are repenting from sins. You are walking in righteousness. You're walking in godliness. And you're trusting with every step. Let's pray to our Heavenly Father. Thank you for this time. I ask you just, you know, I, I don't even have to pray that much. It's, Lord, move these men. Move these hearts. Open these doors. Have them obey. Have them see you do what you're, what you have planned for them. And just allow them to trust you with every step. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, guys, have a good week and God bless.